Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Just want to share with you a couple phone conversations I've had this last week. Our son called me as he was going home from work and normally starts with, hi, Dad, how you doing? I said, well, what's going on? And I know typically he's driving. It's about 5 o'clock, and the phone conversation lasts as long as his drive until he gets ready to go in the house and be with his family. So we talk about his career and what's going on and what class, and we're going to be going to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, here in the next week or so to uh, see him promoted to, to being major in the Marine Corps. And so we're super excited about that. And thankful for that. Thank you. Very proud of him. But, but I tell you that as a proud parent, to tell you that even as old as I am, parenting isn't over. Now, I was heading home from Putnam County Hospital yesterday morning, and we were visiting one of our folks that is online and, and, and having some health struggles. And so I called my mom and dad while I'm going home. And you know how long the phone call is going to last? until I get home. And they're joining us online today. And so we were in this conversation, and my mom is very much a Christian, and she's not done parenting, by the way. So I was getting parented as I was going home. And uh, she said, don't you agree, Chris? And there was a long pause, because I didn't agree. (laughs) She said, well, that's the same problem I have with your father. (laughs) She's parenting both of us. I'm thinking, okay, she said, well, you'll pray about it, won't you? And I said, yes, I will, Mom. Yes, I will. I'll pray with you. And you'll just, you know, you'll have this positive confession. And I said, yes, yes, I will, Mom. Yes, I will. Because I was being parented. And so it doesn't matter how old you are if your parents are alive. And even if they aren't, that little voice in your head is probably still going off. And you need to be thankful for your parents. Now, we're in a series called All in the Family. And this is the last week of the series. We talked about being in God's family and how that's priority. And that family, God's family, should define us. And that is how we should identify ourselves. Amen? And they're even more, the spiritual family is even more important than our biological family. And I I had never preached that before. I believed it. I've experienced it. In fact, we had members come up and say, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. Our family was kind of chaotic. But when I came to Christ and I joined this church, this church family became my family. And that's how I... Identified that that defined me. This is how I grew, and this is how I transformed. In fact, there were people in this church that I modeled my life, my marriage, my family after. I didn't. This person said I didn't push away, and I didn't hate my family of origin. I knew I didn't want to be like them. That that wasn't my purpose. I wanted to be what Christ wanted me to be as a parent as a husband, as a wife, and that's how I defined myself, and that's how I came to have the family I had. And this person has a wonderful family. But it was really encouraging to me to hear them say, 
This is a change that Jesus made in my life through the family of God. And so I would challenge you, if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, if you're an aunt or uncle, if you don't have, plan to have any kids, or you're just starting out, I would challenge you to be that Christian influence, to be that example And not only saying that, but to begin with the end in mind. What do you want at the end of your days? I want my kids to want to be with me. I'd like to vacation together. In fact, we tried it out this year and I was really surprised. They actually liked each other after it was over. I want them to be wanting to come for holidays. But I also want them to grow up and launch and not to be dependent on me. I don't want to be their bank. I don't want to be their mortgage lender. I want them to be independent, self-sufficient, and love Jesus. I don't know what your goals are for your kids, but that's what I want for our kids. And I want that for your families and every child that is involved in our ministry together, in our church family. Now, I'm not going to complete and tell you everything about parenting today or grandparenting. And so one of my favorite resources to go to is Focus on the Family. They're out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've been there. Jim Dobson, Dr. Jim Dobson does a great job. And so if you're searching for specific answers, I'm going to fly pretty high, some generalizations and give you some general instructions. And I don't have all the answers, but they know the people that do. And they are just a godly influence upon every family in the United States. So I would highly, highly endorse them. But today I want to look at three parenting priorities. And they all begin with T. So if you're taking notes in your outline, or if you're joining us online, you can just write down T-T-T, okay? And the first one is, teach your children to love God. Teach your children to love God, first of all and most of all. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 is like, came in this morning, one of our, our chronically, chronologically challenged members said, hey, you're going to preach the Jews' favorite scripture. This is the Hebrews' favorite scripture. One of the first scriptures a child would memorize is this, out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You will love God. Teach your child to love God with their whole being. If you teach them from the beginning to the end to love him first and love him most, parenting is not as big a challenge. Now, there are children... That are challenging. They are, they are, when I say rebellious by nature, they are strong-willed. But if you start early with loving God and getting them connected to God, that's the most important thing with their whole being. But that's dependent on you to love God with your whole being. Also, teach them to love God's church, the body of Christ. Now, I want you to know that I'm a churchman. I've been in church all my life. I, I, I think I was born in church. I was rebellious. I was strong-willed. I was well-disciplined by my parents who did not give up. 
And I complained about going to church a lot. In fact, it wasn't nearly as exciting or as fun as what I tried to do in children's and student ministry. And our our guys do great job, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I hear somebody clap. Thank you, because they do. They do a great job. But they persisted in relationship with me. They didn't give me a choice. And if you're giving your kids a choice while you still have control over them, you're not doing them a service. Because they need to know that this is your priority, that you love God and you love his church with all your heart and soul and mind. And if you've been in church, you know there's going to be ups and downs. In fact, I I love it when uh, people come to coffee with Chris and and the first thing they say is, uh, are you going to stick around? Because they've been in churches where pastors just rotate every two or three years. And they're, they're, they're kicking the tires and, and they're checking under the hood to see if we're healthy and if we're okay. And as I reassure them, now you're stuck with me. You may want to get rid of me, but, but I'm pretty persistent and we're pretty stable. And it's by the grace of God that we are. Hebrews 10 Verses 24 and 25 remind us, the Hebrews writer writes this, he said, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Where does that happen? It happens in church. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, that we need to be here together in this room, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's talking about the last day. That we will need each other. And I don't know, folks, every day we're closer to the end of all time. We're closer to Jesus coming again. I don't know how much chaos can go on and how much confusion can go on in our culture and Jesus not come back. So we need to live ready. And, and, and the church should be that support in that time. In Acts chapter 2, 42, it talks about the early church, and that's what we model our church after, that first century church. And, and, and Luke, the writer of Acts, he writes this, and, and inspired by God, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, as it was being spoken from the apostles, and the fellowship that we experience by being connected in the body of Christ, in worship, and in adult Bible fellowship, and in life groups, to the breaking of bread, which we experience every Sunday, the Lord's Supper, and the prayers that we participate in and that we should be praying. And then skip on to verses 46 to 47 in Acts chapter 2, and notice how they meet. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Tony said something about daily living for God. It's not just a once a week event. It is a 24-7 breath by breath living for God. And I would challenge you as parents, as grandparents, as influencers in the next generation's life to consistently attend and actively connect in fellowship and service like it's your family. Like it's your family. I'm telling you as a person standing before you today 
that iron sharpens iron, that I'm a better person, I am transformed by the people in this church. I've been parented, I've been grandparented, I've been loved tough at different times, spoken into. In fact, after first service, somebody came up to me and said, hey, I don't know what, what you meant by what you said here, but this is not what I, what, what I was thinking. That helped me. That disciplined me. That made a difference for me. And, and I am a, an, a youth pastor addict. I just want you to know. I love youth ministry, student ministry, children's ministry. I had the opportunity to lead in those ministries. I would challenge you to get your kids involved in those ministries. Our guys do a great job. Our volunteers are awesome. But it makes a difference because that becomes a community of faith. And if you're not in children's ministry, if you're not in youth ministry, you're missing out on some of the greatest times in your life. I was at a couple of funerals in the last few weeks, and I was hugging on some kids that had been in my youth ministry. I was talking into their life and checking out how they were doing. But it was like family on family. Even though they're far away now, we are bonded for life. Kids who become active Christ followers as adult notice. If mom and dad went to church, 72% of the kids will as adults. If mom only went to church, 15% of the kids will as adults. If dad only went to the ch- church, 55% of the kids will as adults. And if neither mom or dad, 6% of the kids will as adults. We try to reach everyone, but you're evangelistic field of service is your children, your grandchildren, those that are around you that God gives you. Whether you're a parent or not, whether you choose to have children or not, make a difference in the lives of this next generation. So the question then becomes, do you love God with all your heart or with some of your heart? Are you living for him? Number two, the second priority is take your children to Jesus. Take your children to Jesus. As I read this passage, I've never thought about it in this way from a parenting uh, perspective. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. And they were bringing children to him that he might, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Jesus gives us an example of parenting. We, our, our youngest grands, grandchild is uh, our grandson Marshall. He's two years old. And he's still at the stage where he'll sit down on me. I mean, he has to be in the mood, but, but if I'm in the room, sometimes he'll come and sit down on me. And it might be beside me, it might be right there, and I get to put my arms around him and love on him. Now, I'm not a huggy person, okay? I don't gush. I don't deal well with feelings. But I love that about him. And that's just a special time and moment. Now, it's scary to be a male in our culture today because it's the Me Too movement and the whole sexual thing, but we still need to be free 
to touch our children safely and love on them and to affirm them in that way because they need that. Now, my 10-year-old granddaughter, my grandkids, if you've been around here very long, they come to our house every day and I get to take them to school over here at Cornerstone and they do a great job. But she was by herself. We were, the grandkids have been sick, but she was by herself one day and I was sitting on our snuggle chair. We have a snuggle lazy boy. It's kind of like one and a half times larger than a regular lazy boy. And I was sitting on that with my computer and I just had my Bible study and prayer and I was drinking my coffee and had my blanket over me because that's kind of my comfort zone. And so she just walks in, pulls the blanket off and sits down behind me, beside me. And I said, what's going on? I said, you're, you're violating my space. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that. She didn't care. She snuggled up to me. And uh, loved on me and said, I'm sitting here, Grandpa. Because he wanted that touch and that affirmation. And, and, and they need that. They want that. And so we need to give that to them. Whether we're comfortable all the time or not. Number two, notice Jesus stopped in that moment, in, in the present, and he was with those children. He spent time. The disciples, you know, probably said, the Lord's, the master's busy. You know, you're kids. Don't bother him. But he rebuked him. He was almost angry in that moment. And he spent time with them. He touched them. And he spent time with them. Because that's important. And so we, not, you know, need to spend quality time. But we also need to spend quantity time. Because we only go through this thing once and we only have one shot and I know I'm increasing the anxiety if you're a parent I, I, I gotta confess I, I parented with a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger and I'm not proud of it pretty legalistic in the way I raised and disciplined our kids they turned out in spite of me at times and so uh, I would encourage you to take that time and number the last part of this last T and taking your kids to Jesus is to talk to your children daily. Give them positive encouragement. Notice Jesus blessed them and affirmed them. But notice what, if you follow along in that Deuteronomy 6 passage, what, what uh, the Deuteronomy Moses wrote, he says this, he says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise teach teach talk 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 all the time because there are moments where you can speak into the lives of your child or those children around you that you never know impact them and so he says do this and then he says he goes on he says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be your as frontlets between your eyes, which is your forehead, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So know it, know it, know it. And the question then becomes, are you taking your child to Jesus? The third parenting priority, not only teach and take, but third is to train your children in the way they should go. And this is a fascinating passage. Now, Edward Duke of Windsor, he says this sarcastically about American culture. It, he says, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. 
Folks, that's not the way it ought to be, is it? Children should obey their parents. We are to protect, we are to provide, we are to lead them. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, 6. He says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is so fascinating, this passage of Scripture, because what you're doing is you're taking the child's abilities, you're taking the child's manner, you're taking into consideration the child's personality, and you're training them being sensitive to that as they are growing up. You can't parent all your kids the same way because they are very, very different by birth order, by personality, by capability. Someone said this, the instruction of youth, the education of youth ought to be conformed to the nature of youth. The matter of instruction, the manner of instruction ought to regulate itself according to the stage of life. You parent differently from the time they're little to the time they're older. It changes. Your relationship changes. The way you train them changes. But I can tell you this, that training includes rules. There needs to be boundaries, but there always needs to be a loving relationship. That's the primary, primary way we, we, we train is out of that loving, caring relationship for their best. And realizing that they're not always going to do what you want and, and there's going to have to be a level of correction. But this correction is discipline, is correction driven by love. Not out of anger, not out of anxiety, not out of fear. You see, discipline is, isn't something you do to your child, but for your child. Because you love them and care about them. Now, I can remember moments where I was being disciplined as a child. <clears throat> and my parents would say, now you know this hurts me more than it hurts you. I never believed them. Did you? But as a parent now, I understand that I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to enforce this boundary. But because I love you and I care about you and I want the best for you, this is what I'm going to do. And what we tried to do as we were learning as parents, we had five questions that we, not four, five questions that we would, we would ask them. The first one is, do they know what they're doing? What did you do? What did you do? Second question was this, was it right? Was it morally right? Was this a good decision that you made? Did you think about this? Did you think about this? That? Was it right? Third is, if you had the chance to do it over again, and I've asked, I've asked grown men this after they've made some mistakes and, 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 and poor decisions. If you had, it over, had the opportunity to do it over again, would you do it differently? And it's always fascinating to hear the answer. What should you have done? For was it sin? Was it sin against God? Was it sin against your sibling? Was it a sin against me? Was it sin against yourself? Do you need to seek forgiveness from God for what you've done? And number five is the corrective one, is what should I do to you now? What form of discipline? What form of time out? What, what, should I, what should I do to you? 
Zig Ziglar said this. He said, a child who has not been disciplined with love by his, his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. I had a mom call me one time, and her child had been in and out of, of jail and was going to prison, and, and she wanted me to be a character witness for him. And I said, ma'am, I, I just can't do that. She said, what do you mean? I said, I said, you have not set boundaries for him, and he has been in jail. He has been corrected by the justice system, and in fact, right now, he needs to to go to jail for a long time because he shouldn't be out in society. And I had that hard talk with her, and 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 I know that she's still mad at me today, but that young man is still in jail today. I mean, he spent a life in and out of prison because there were no boundaries, there was no training, there was no discipline. And it's sad. Now, there are stages of parenting. There's a caregiver stage, which I loved, and I loved to cuddle with our grandkids, and, and I loved that with our own kids. But then there's the cop stage. I didn't like that so well, and you probably don't. Don't do this, do this, don't do that. No, no, no. Yes, you can do that. The cop stage. The coach stage. The coach stage is the stage where they can kind of take it on their own in middle school and high school, but you still kind of kind of keep an eye on them, and, and you still have to bring them aside and say, do you see where your friends are going, and this is what's going to happen? And by the way, I'm still your parent, and no, you can't do that. That's the coach stage. Now, I'm in a consultant stage. This is, this is my favorite stage because guess what? I don't say anything, and I don't do anything, and I just watch and observe. And I only, I only give advice and my opinion if I'm asked. And a lot of times, even when I'm asked, I'm not really asked because they really don't want to know. And so I just kind of listen, try to understand, and, and try to come alongside. Now, now, folks, if you're in the midst of all this parenting stuff and grandparenting stuff like we are, I want to remind you of something in Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. There's a prodigal. But let me just tell you that a lot of times we read that and we only see one lost son. But really there were two, weren't there? Because that eldest son, even though he stayed home, was entitled and thought he'd earned the privilege. And his father said to him, hey, everything I have is yours. What's the fuss? But remember, the father represents God and our relationship to him. And if a perfect father can have two lost sons, then so can we at times. I talked to some parents after first service today who were you know, kind of struggling right now. And if you're struggling, hey, been there, done that, I'm with you. And, and you pray through that and you love through that. You still hold the lines. But, but to know that we're not perfect parents, never will be. But all we can do is our best by the grace of God. Amen? And, and God takes us through that. And so, and if you're a lost child today, this is the place where you ought to be. Because there's a a God who loves you like crazy, and he's your father, and he will welcome you home every time, no matter what, because that's just the way it is. That's that's who he is. 
and he loves you. And we need to respond in love to him. So today, if you would stand, I'm just asking that you'd make a decision to teach your children to love God, to take them to Jesus, to train them in the way they should go. And uh, as a body of Christ, we're part of this family, and we care about children of all generations. And we just want to work with your kids, and we want to love you and in, in this process of life transformation. Will you pray with me? Eternal God and Father, we come to this moment, and we're so thankful for the example that you give as a perfect father, and that you sent your son because you loved us so much, that you give his life in exchange for ours, that we might be a part of your forever family. And Father, we're just preparing for heaven, and we're looking forward to that day, that we might know you and see you and see Jesus face to face. And Father, I pray for those that are struggling today in their relationship with you, in their relationship with their family. Father, I pray that you would intervene through a supernatural means, through your Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray for those that are far from you, that they would hear the voice and realize there's a Father that loves them, that wants them to come home. And Father, that we're saved by grace through faith, and that forgiveness is overwhelming and guaranteed because of who you are. Father, just now I just ask that you would do your work in this family. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?